I thank you for Tara and for her willingness to come and to hang out with us and to teach us. Um, and we just love you and we thank you for who you are, God. And it's your name I pray. Amen. Amen. So we've been digging into Romans fifteen thirteen. How many of you, it's your first time, like you weren't here last week, but you're here this week? Is that any of you? Okay, welcome. I'm glad you guys are here. Um, last week, we started a series on hope, and we talked about our need for hope. And we talked about what hope is and what hope isn't. And hope is this desired expectation, but we're pulling, there's lots of scriptures um, about hope, but the one we're focusing on is Romans fifteen thirteen, which says this. May the God of hope... Fill you with all joy and peace and believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Last week we talked about hope, and that hope, the definition of hope, <coughs> means this to desire. With expectation of obtainment or fulfillment. To expect with confidence. You know like sometimes in San Angelo where they say there's a chance of snow. And how many of you guys are like, oh man, I hope it snows, right? And so then the next morning it doesn't snow and you got to go to school and it's like the lamest thing ever, right? That's what hope is and we all need hope. Um, That's how we were created. We are hardwired to expect, to long for, to yearn for. Um... But here's the question. Where do we place our hope? Do we place our hope in our circumstances changing or in the unchanging God? We often put our hope in things changing. But what happens when things don't change? Did we have true hope? Was it false hope? What happens when what you pray for doesn't happen? What happens when what you hope for doesn't come to pass? Does that make God a punk? A liar? But if we're being real, and I'll be the first one to be real tonight, I've often said that about God. You're a punk. Yeah, some God you are. Because my hope was in a changed set of circumstances, not in an unchanging God. Misplaced hope will always misalign our hearts and set us at odds against God. And when we are at odds against God, we cannot receive His love, His truth, His grace. When we're at odds with God, we cannot receive His love, His truth, and His grace. Um, This week, uh, we're going to keep on Romans 15, 13. Tony, can you find the three girls, please? I need them for something. Leah, Kendall, thank you. Um, and, And this week, here's the part we're focusing on. Joy and peace and believing. Joy and peace and believing. So let's read that verse again. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. So we're focusing on fill you with all joy and peace in believing. That's the ESV version that I'm reading. The NIV version substitutes the word trust for believing. So if we were reading this in the NIV, it would say this. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust him. Okay, I've got three helpers. Leah, Kendall, and Tristan, come here, please. This is going to be exciting. I've waited all day for this moment. Um, (laughs) Girls, I'm going to ask you one question, and there's no right or wrong answer, just an honest answer, okay? 
And I'm going to ask you each one at a time. Leah, do you trust me? Okay, I trust you too. Kendall, do you trust me? No. Okay, fair enough. I trust you. Tristan, do you trust me? Okay, fair enough. I trust you. So, you trust me? Okay, thank you. So, wait, wait, wait. Come here. I need the three. I need the three of you to stand right here and um, face the stage like this. Okay, and line up side by side, arm by arm. Okay, great. Now, the three of you trust me, and I trust you, which is what is most important right now. So they're going to count to three, and on the count of three, I'm going to fall backwards, and the three of you are going to catch me. Ready? Count with me. One, two, three. Okay, thank you. I might have just scared them. Thank you. Y'all did great. The only real one there. And everyone just panicked and had some heart trouble. <laughs> it's the ultimate <laughs> It's the ultimate trust fall and I will never forget that shrill and scream. But um no, but thank you. <laughs> so that's funny, right? And then you guys have done the trust fall and it's like really hard to lock your knees cuz we can say we trust someone, right? But when we have to take a risk and fall backwards, it's a whole different thing. But see, here's the thing. That's often how you and I live our lives with God. Like, God isn't big enough to catch me and what I'm holding. You know? Like, when we're kids, I, I don't know. When I was a kid, I had this, like, really huge view of God. And I was like, man, God is going to save the day, and he can do anything, and he can do the impossible. And the older I get, sometimes my view and understanding of who God is shrinks over time. Because I kind of get jaded in my heart. And I think about times that God has let me down. I think about times where I've had questions and not answers. And I think about times that I've misplaced my hope. And instead of acknowledging where I, get, where, where I went wrong, I place my blame on God. So I'm literally envisioning in my mind that God is the size of Kindle, And there's no way he's going to catch Tara and all that Tara is carrying today how we live our lives and our view and understanding of who God is is so small because we don't invest in our faith and in our walk with God we show up on Wednesday nights check mark we show up on Sundays check mark but what are you doing Monday Tuesday Thursday Friday Saturday how are you taking your own taking ownership of your faith is it all dependent on your youth leaders a man they better feed me and they better host a Bible study otherwise I'm not going to grow I mean, we're intentional with how we spend our time, right? Snapchat streaks, it's real important for me to keep my Snapchat streak. So when I go out of town this weekend and I have no self-service, I will literally give someone my Snapchat information and they'll keep my streaks alive. That's what we do, right? We're, We're intentional about that. But how come we're not intentional with like having streaks in the word of God? Right? We, we can update our IG stories or our Facebook or, or whatever. But we can't get in the word of God. And when that's how you and I live our lives, our view of God shrinks and shrinks and shrinks. And then when we're backed into a corner and we've got to fall into something, all of a sudden God can't save the day. So does that make God the punk or us the punk? Us. Right? So, hope. What's the most ridiculous thing believe that you believe? What's the most ridiculous thing that you believe? 
For real, what's the most ridiculous thing that you believe? <laughs> okay, well, I believe in Bigfoot. Maybe I'm the only one in here. I don't know. And it's kind of become this running joke. But I really believe that Bigfoot is real because I've read about it and I've watched videos and yada yada. You can make fun of me afterwards. But I really believe that Bigfoot is real. And um, we all have things that we believe that are real. But here's the thing. When we swap out the word believe for trust, things change a little bit for me. I don't like the word trust. I have trust issues. There's always a hidden motive and a hidden agenda. This happened yesterday, okay? Someone said, Tara, how are you doing? I said, I'm great. And they said, huh, I don't believe that. And they proceeded to sit down across from me. And they said, really, how are you doing? And I said, well, blah. And I said it. And sure enough, guess what? They had an ulterior motive. They didn't really care how Tara was doing. They wanted to give me a little sermon about their little thing and tell me how it is, okay? I have trust issues. I don't like to talk to people. I don't like to tell them what's going on. I, I, I find it difficult to trust people in my life. See, I can believe all day long in Bigfoot, but it's sometimes hard for me to trust my friends. Kind of sketchy, isn't it? Really sketchy, actually. I might get beat up after this one tonight. Um, here's what trust means. Assured reliance on the character, ability, strength, or truth of someone or something. Assured reliance on the character, ability, strength, or truth of someone or something. One in which confidence is placed. Dependence on something future or contingent. Hope. So according to Romans 15, 13, long before there's hope, we have joy and peace. But that joy and peace, it comes directly from God himself, but it rests on us doing something. And that something is believing or trusting. As I trust in God, he will give me joy and peace. So here's the thought. Why do you and I not experience joy and peace when in the midst of difficulty. Why do we not experience joy and peace even in the midst of difficulty? It says nothing in that scripture about you will experience joy and peace when you have great days and everything is going fine. It says that you will experience joy and peace as you believe or trust in God. So the reason you and I don't have joy and peace is it because God is a punk? Is it because God has lied? Is it because God is like, oh, snap, I'm out of joy and peace. Sorry. (laughs) Try to be the first 25 here tomorrow morning. I'll hook you up. You know? As much as I'd love to save face tonight, I'll be real honest and say probably what some of you are thinking. I don't have joy and peace because I don't trust God. Too honest. A little hot and uncomfortable in here. Y'all are killing me tonight. (laughs) I don't have joy and peace because I don't trust God. I just don't. I do in some things. I do in some areas, but not in all areas. And, And there's parts of my story and parts of my heart that I just struggle to trust God. I struggle to believe Him. 
We're going to look tonight at Abraham in Genesis 22. And for the sake of time, I'm just going to uh, read the first 14 verses. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. And go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went, both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. He said, Behold, the fire in the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Awkward. (laughs) Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them together. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar. On top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. He said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram, caught in a thicket by his thorns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Classic story. Classic story. God promised Abraham a long time ago, Abraham, I'm going to hook you up with so many offspring that it will be as numerous as the stars in the sky. And Abraham's really old, playing bingo with his wife on Monday nights. Oh, 46. I mean, Abraham is 75 years old when he starts going to the promised land. 75 people don't have babies at 75 years old. You understand this, right? Like 75, you're playing bingo, you've got dentures, you smell like mothballs, you eat dinner at 4 o'clock, right? No disrespect to the 75-year-olds. Except for what? Yeah, there you go. And so Abraham's 75, and it took 25 years for God to fulfill his promise to Abraham. 25 years. You and I live in an instant generation. We can have dinner in and out of the microwave in three minutes flat. You can find anything you want to find on the internet in a matter of seconds. You can communicate instantly with someone who lives thousands of miles or even far across the world from you because of technology. Instantaneous. Abraham waited 25 years for God to fulfill his promise. 25 years of waiting. And then 
Abraham has a son, and God says, Abraham, take your son, go kill him on the mountain. You talk about confusing. Excuse me, God? (laughs) You want me to give you what I've waited 25 years for? Can you imagine how Abraham must have felt? Can you imagine the conversation between Abraham and Isaac? Hey, son, pack up. We're going camping. And there's everything for a fire except for s'mores and the sacrifice. And at some point, Isaac's got to be figuring this thing out in his head, man, because they traveled for three days. It was 50 miles by foot they traveled. And the Bible says that God did not provide until the knife was raised. It's not like they got 200, right? Like, okay, I told the girls earlier, they were screaming. I really wanted to, like, actually pretend to fall, but that would have been even more traumatic, right? (laughs) So, but can you imagine if I would have, like, extended that? You know what I'm saying? And it's not like God said, okay, two hours into the trip. Good job, Abraham. Pass the test. Go ahead and go home. You know Three days, 50 miles of walking to give up the one thing that you spent your entire life waiting for. 25 years. Was God crazy? Had he lost his mind? Was God being unfair? Was God being being ridiculous? Was God being a punk? Or did God know all along what he was doing? I wonder what Abraham felt in those three days. The things that we hold the most dear, the people that we hold the most dear, we don't want to give up, do we? Sometimes I think God asks us ridiculous things. And I tell him that, quite frankly, a lot. Sir, with all due respect, I think that's absurd. (laughs) And you know what? Every stinking time, guess who was right? Not me. He was. How did Isaac feel on that journey? What was going through his mind? Man, dad has lost his marbles today. Shoot, I knew I should have cleaned up my tent. Right? Here's here's the takeaway. Abraham spoke by faith rather than fear. In verse 5, he told the two young men with him, Stay here with the donkey. We will come back. That we signifies his son and himself. See, Abraham spoke by faith instead of responding in fear. Number two, when questioned, Abraham testified to God's faithfulness. Verse eight, God will provide, son. God will provide. Abraham banked on what God would do instead of what he had to do. It's far better to bank on what God will do with your life Instead of talking and complaining about what he's asking you to do with your life. See, I think God asks us to do ridiculous things. But when I put that in light of the cross and what Jesus did for me, then I'm like the really ridiculous one. You know? Like, who am I to, say, to tell God what he can or cannot do? Who am I to tell God how to live his life? Abraham remembered God's faithfulness. And number three, Abraham viewed his opportunity to trust God as an act of worship. Verse five, my son and I will go worship. 
God asked Abraham to take his son and sacrifice, and Abraham immediately viewed that as an opportunity for worship. See, worship is simply acknowledging the character of God. Worship is saying this, God, you are God and I am not. You are good and I am not. You are faithful when I am not. You are pure when I am not. God, you are really, really, really big and I am really, really, really small. God, you do all things well even when I don't. God, you keep your word even when I break mine. And the list goes on. That is worship. Worship is not music. It's not song. We can worship through music and song. But worship is simply acknowledging who God is. And so when God puts you through the ringer and through these ridiculous things and he asks you to do absurd things, it's not because God is a punk. It's because he's giving you an opportunity to worship him, to acknowledge him, to acknowledge that he is God. Here's our takeaways. Five things and then we'll pray. Trusting in God means that I live by faith and not by fear. Trusting in God means that I live by faith and not by fear. Is it possible for you to live in fear and have joy and peace at the same time? No, right? There's no way. Like, that's impossible. So trusting in God means that you live by faith rather than by fear. Number two, I have to continually remind myself of God's faithfulness, especially when questions come. People are going to ask you, man, why do you go to church? Why, why do you act the way you do in school? You, you still pray to God after that thing happened? And not only are other people going to question you, you are going to question yourself. And you have to remind yourself of God's faithfulness. You have to tell yourself again and again all the times that God took care of you. That is how you build your faith and get rid of fear. Number three, every opportunity to trust God is an act of worship. You cannot trust God without acknowledging who he is. Number four, joy and peace come as I trust in God. It's a process. It's a process. And last, God loves to increase our faith and help our unbelief. He loves to prove himself again and again. If you spend any time reading the gospel in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, when Jesus was traveling around with the disciples, Jesus would do these ridiculous miracles like make wine out of water and heal dead people like lepers. You know, lepers had the spots all over their skin and they had to live outside of the city gate and you weren't allowed to touch him. And if the, the public came around the leper, the leper would have to yell, unclean, unclean. Like, and Jesus would just go right up to the lepers and touch them and their skin would instantly be made well. And time and time again, the disciples struggled to believe Jesus. They struggled with their unbelief. And Jesus would even say, man, how long are you going to struggle to believe me? And the disciples would respond, Jesus, help our unbelief. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. May the God of hope fill you with all joy 
and peace and trusting. Maybe it's difficult for you to trust God. It's impossible for you to trust God or believe God if you don't know who He is. But I'll tell you this, for thousands of years, humanity has been trying to prove God wrong and prove His word to be untrue. And to this day, not one single person has succeeded. Are you believing God and his word for your life? Are you walking by faith and not by fear? If you're not, there's freedom for that. But that's on you. That's not on God. God will always be faithful. God will always keep his promises to you. The question is, will you believe and will you trust? God, thank you for tonight and thank you for the story of Abraham. And God, thank you that you see us and you know us. And um, you care a lot about us. And you're big enough for our doubt. You're big enough for our fear. God, you're big enough for our questions that don't have answers. And God, I want to be like Abraham. I want every opportunity I'm given to to put my faith in you and and to live by faith and not in fear. And God, I want to willingly give you whatever you're asking of me. But God, I can't do that if I don't trust you. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the times that I trust myself more than I trust you. God, would you help my unbelief? Would you help my faith to be bigger than my fear? God, thank you that you love to prove yourself faithful. You love to keep your promises. You love to take care of your children. God, give us eyes to see that. In Jesus' name, amen.